0: Don't let your desire to see abortion outlawed change you and change who you are. Don't let your desire to fight for the Second Amendment or Ogle or anything else, anything you're fighting for, change your own integrity, your own ethics, and your own morality, or you've lost, even if you win the political battle, you still lost yourself in the midst of it. And that is the leaven of the Pharisees.
1: Those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the nonpartisan evangelical podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed.
0: What knucklehead, mush for brains, evangelical leaders are trying to... To to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian.
1: Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. And, but yeah, preliminary. So, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Hope you're doing well. This is Saturday morning with Paul and Ashley. We've decided we might want to um, call this uh, Saturday morning WTH, the week that happened with Paul and Ashley.
0: Is there another meaning to WTH? What the hell? What the hell? Yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, As opposed
0: to WTF, which I, I I'm, which I'm feeling this morning.
1: I would have preferred WTF with Paul and Ashley, but I couldn't think of another.
0: <laughs> week that fulfilled. I don't know. It doesn't works, work, does actually.
1: it? Um, Hi, Chris.
0: By the way, he says hello on the comments.
1: Morning. So, um, yeah. So we're here. This is the nonpartisan evangelical. Thanks for tuning in. If you're joining us live, that's great. Or yeah. if you catch us later in the week and you see this link, we're really happy that you popped on for a few minutes. I'm Ashley. My husband Paul. Hello. The nonpartisan evangelical. I am a nonpartisan evangelical, and uh, this is our time to just hang out, reflect on the week, and um, honestly, our weeks are usually so busy, even in the middle of COVID. Like running a small nonprofit in California's Central Valley, where there is like so much work to do in the community and civic sector, I almost don't see Paul. During you know I might be in the other room just like doing all day. I
0: hear her talking on the phone all day yeah. in the other room.
1: So um, anyway, it's honestly it's like my time to catch up on what Paul has been doing and thinking, and what saying.
0: the hay has been going on during the week.
1: So I benefit from this time. <laughs> this is our little hour sync up. Time. This
0: is our debrief time together. Yeah.
1: yeah. So um, so yeah, so it's a heavy it's a heavy start to the weekend.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away at the age of eighty seven yesterday. Um, from everything we hear about her, a, a tremendous human being. But obviously, the you couldn't help. I, I felt bad because I, I felt badly because I heard she had passed, and you can't help but immediately go to the political and cultural ramifications right. of that. Right. It, truly, the 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 woman is is a superhero. That she she wouldn't leave the bench because she realized the cultural ramifications of if she left. And particularly now this happening so close to the election, this is things are going to be ratcheted up. And the Republicans didn't bother to wait even 24 hours before they started doing their thing after this, because I don't know if you want to get totally into it. But this is the test of where the hypocrisy level is of the Republican Party. We will find out now if they truly have left all morality and ethics in the rearview mirror. And it appears it appears they have.
1: So let's let's get to that in just a minute. Okay, Let, um, but that's a
0: yeah. You hate to do that in the midst of the death of a human being.
1: Yeah. Um, so I had the privilege of of um, hearing Ruth Bader Ginsburg Justice Ginsburg, Justice Ginsburg Justice Ginsburg um, address a small group in Aspen, Colorado, and I think the year was 2017. So not that long ago. I have a picture of it in my phone. Oh wow. Probably two, you know, round tables of eight people away from the stage. How
0: tall were you compared to her?
1: Oh, she, you know, she was she was maybe four eight. Oh with wow! Her, uh, including her, you know, she was pretty stooped. Yeah. So if she was four eight, I'd be surprised. Maybe, oh my maybe goodness! Maybe four and a half feet tall. Um, I have a photo of that moment. Um, it was the Aspen Institute, like Global Leaders Network, and I'm
0: sorry that microphone is. You're okay. Go keep talking.
1: And. Um, uh, yeah, I was just like, oh, my God. I, I went to this conference um, or this like whatever leadership retreat. And I, I really didn't know what the event was and what I was in store for. Um, but so I just show up. There was a group of maybe seven or eight people from the Central Valley who were underwritten to go participate in this leadership network um, week long thing. And um, Nicole Linder was with me from Archer Mason Center for you locals out there, other people from the Valley. And there she was, and I was like, "What the heck?" Robert Peter Gintrogen is sitting at this lunch, and I'm just sitting here, like in the room, and she's right there. And um, um, whoa, what a giant! What an incredible, incredible giant of a person. And then, um, yeah, so I, I happened to just catch the movie right when it came out. Um, the, the, not the documentary. I haven't seen that yet. i want to see that. But, okay. um, anyway. So just when you think about the fight of her life, how creative, how scrappy, all of that, um,
0: a woman in a, in a man's world.
1: Yes, yes. Like couldn't get a job literally as a lawyer with a lot, you know, with a like pass the bar, all that couldn't get a job. So she ends up teaching. Um, and anyway, ultimately ends up bringing, you know, bringing down sort of the discrimination against women through the courts mm-hmm. by representing men and demonstrating how this, um, this, I'm gonna, I am gonna. I feel like my words are failing me and I wish I had more of a legal mind, but I don't, but like basically showing how discrimination against women is impacting men. And so her clients were all men huh. and, um, and that's how she ultimately toppled the, System. Wow. Yeah.
0: Incredible. And that, you know, it, it what saddens me some in, in our church world is sometimes we devalue that, that fight for equality for women. We have some sense that the Bible sort of makes women a little bit lesser. And then we couch it in terms of like, they're like fine China, <laughs> You know, and, and what it really is, is, is it's otherism. It's, it's, it's saying women can't and shouldn't do what men do. And, and we justify it that way. And what it actually is, is it's discrimination of human beings. And, and so people like you, uh, and, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and maybe you would say certainly not at the same level, but I think in a lot of ways, you have Gone into those male-dominated fields as well, and had people say, "Oh, this little girl is not going to do this to us," and yeah. and you've taught them differently.
1: Well, and I would say
0: that a woman like, can be all as tough as a man, yeah. and it's okay for her to do that.
1: I would in no way grab. I feel. Like, I know you wouldn't. Okay, let me finish. I know. Let me finish. Um, because of my mom and my grandmother and Ruth Bader Ginsburg and like the the generations before it never even occurred to me. I I literally had, I think when I ran for mayor in 2008, I had two people sort of be like, Oh, but you're a woman, two people, two. Um, and they were both women. And one lady, one, you could tell was an old lady just by her handwriting was kind of cryptic, wrote me a note and was just like, Oh, honey, you know, God bless you. But you, you should not be running for mayor because you're a woman and you have young children. I was 36 years old when I ran. And, um, Um, anyway, so I had that one and then another, I won't say a name, but maybe if you, you know, catch me offline, I'll share with you a very, very wealthy local businessman's wife. a Very (laughs) active, large scale political donors wife asked me or challenged me at a, a fundraiser that they were hosting. Like, why, like, why do you think you can do this? You have kids, you need to be at home with them. And um, anyway, but other than that, I was like, "What? why are we even thinking about this? You know, and I always would have all these people come. What's it like to be a woman mayor? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know anything else. It just is. <laughs> I not even think about
0: it. You are a woman and a mayor. Oh, and so what else could oh, it be?
1: What a privilege. What a privilege. My general, what a privilege I have because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that I don't even have to think about it. And how ridiculous for me to not appreciate and value the sacrifice that she and others made yeah. and just be like, oh, there was never that kind of fight. Like, whatever. We just do our thing now.
0: I do have to throw out the one other story okay. from running for mayor where I get a call from somebody and a and a prominent pastor that if I said the name, many would know, and you would certainly really know. Really enticing people um, secrets this morning. And I get a call from a pastor friend of mine who says, you will not believe what this pastor just said in this pastor's meeting I was in. And and he said, you know, we should vote for this other Republican candidate who was running. You were in the primary and there was like 11 yeah. of you running. Yeah. And so this pastor got up in front of these other pastors and said, everyone should vote for this other guy. male other guy. Republican yeah. because he prays every day. Mm-hmm. And so then somebody in the audience says, well, Ashley Swearington a Christian. She prays every day, too. And the pastor leading this meeting, I kid you not, this is absolute direct quote, says, oh, Ashley Swearingen is too pretty to be mayor.
1: To which I said, thank you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> you you appreciated the compliment. But that is Even though we don't like to admit it, that is an undertone. You know, this Mike Pence can't meet with a woman one-on-one, that women are a little bit dangerous to men. They're not the same. You're going to entice him with your goods. We've really done some bad, bad theology on all of this we miss missed Deborah and tent pegs and things like that yes. in the Bible. Come on, give me a tent peg. <laughs> Women can be badass, and it's okay that they are. So, and RBG, she was badass.
1: So, so badass. I, um, so I was in it, I was on a Zoom call yesterday with um, two of my colleagues at the Central Valley Community Foundation, Elliot Balch and Gretchen Moore, for those of you local, Now you are naming names, am, okay. just bringing people into my world for a second. And um, we were talking about, you know, some work thing. And it flashed up on my phone that she passed. And I was like, oh, my God, you guys, wait. Beard Ginsburg just died. And it was, like, shock and silence. Like, we couldn't speak for, like, three minutes. We sat there just, like, looking at each other. Like, like taking in, taking this in. And then.
0: So what do you think that was?
1: um, For me, it was an instant, like my God, she's such a fighter. Like she fought. Sorry to be weird and cry like this, but I literally, when I heard yesterday, like I couldn't, I almost started crying. I know. I can only imagine how she was fighting to stay alive and how much respect I have for that. You mm-hmm. know? And because, because um, she knew and anticipated what would immediately happen upon her releasing that seat and so, just that spirit and like who she is—that's um, what was—that's what's so moving to me. Um, and then I also I talked to my other colleague Sarah Moffat at the end of the day yesterday, and she was like that. She was just like on her couch, she was like crying, you know. And um, of course, Sarah worked for 15 years for Senator Feinstein, who's on the Judiciary Committee. I think she's a ranking member of Judiciary, so that's the committee that runs the process. process. Yeah. And so you know she's seen a lot of stuff, Sarah up close from her time with Senator Feinstein and she was just like, oh my God, you know she she passed not knowing sort of the future the outcome of this sort of civil war, shall we say and I'm sorry to use that word I'm, yeah, let's I'm not, not use it. that but word the civil unrest and this power, this big generational shift power struggle that we're living through yeah. she died not knowing what the outcome is and she died not knowing if her efforts were in vain or not yeah so i think that's really what it is
0: mm. and i was in the middle of doing a local podcast with with my friend craig sharton and we were talking about the fires and getting some insight from both sides of the fire argument and and uh, somebody texted me a friend texted me in the middle of it and and I said, and so I mentioned it on the podcast, Craig, this just came across that that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed. And it was really the same thing. We're both like, we didn't know what to say because the weight of the ramifications of what that means are so significant in, yeah. in, in our cultural discourse division um, and, and shaking right now that it's just, it feels like a really big shaking point. And, and again, a time, I think we're in a season where God is requiring people to decide which side are you on. The, the fence sitters don't get to be fence sitters anymore. You now will have to decide which side you're on. And, and that, it, so, it just feels like an incredibly significant moment. Yeah, exactly. And probably, if you, if you believe in uh, providence... Maybe it's not coincidence that it happened right now at this point, this close to such a significant point of this election coming on November 3rd.
1: Well, it is yet another- I'm going to turn on the fan, by the way. Okay. So we're going to have a little background noise I, for all of loud, our so... listeners. All right. Hopefully it's um, louder than our dog snoring in the
0: floor. <laughs> <laughs> he just looked at you when you said that. He's like, I'm, I'm napping. Leave me alone.
1: We, we think our dog is like- like I can't believe Hollywood hasn't discovered this dog. I think he's so talented <laughs> he's got so much personality. Anyway, um, yeah, and he's just flopped asleep, asleep a, in the corner right now. Slightly alternating. When it comes to that dog, I love it with all my heart. Anyway, um,
0: he has sleep apnea though. He, he clearly, his snoring yeah. is getting bad in his old if age.
1: Anyone knows of a dog CPAP machine? <laughs> we need one that's about this big, maybe about that big. So anyway. yeah. Okay,
0: that's a large setup to our show, but yeah. well,
1: so that was kind of you know the first thing. Obviously, we wanted to just reflect on on um, Justice Ginsburg' life, life and they'll be this this for the rest of our lives we will be reflecting on her contribution to our society. It's just, that's going to, so this is just the beginning. There's no way to do justice to this moment sitting right here other than to just say, okay, for the rest of our lives, we're going to be realizing um, her genius and her contributions to society.
0: I think, and, and that she felt like she was holding back something by staying alive and fighting for life. And, um, and and people on both sides of of the aisle of political thought feel that way and so it feels like something is removed and and now we'll we'll see where the kind of the river flows from here
1: yep.
0: in our in our cultural world and history and it's going to be interesting but but not pretty I fear
1: I'm going to um I'm going to keep track of the number of times when on the WTH show with Paula Ashley I need a tissue. Last week I teared <laughs> up too. Do you remember? Yeah, the, you have what, a good heart. What was what was it last week? I don't remember. I don't know. Anyway, um, oh, I know what it was. Oh,
0: it was we were talking about the Brady Bunch.
1: Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was um, Cindy Brady getting braces. Um, no, it was it was the um, oh the Atlantic story that um, came out. That revealed President Trump's um, inside voice being expelled yeah. and talking about, about the military of the military, and it was me seeing military moms and dads and um, former, you know, retired military leaders talking on, you know, like on their cell phone, or posting on social media about what that did to them, how they felt that, like my son's death wasn't in vain. That's what made me cry. Yeah. You know? yeah.
0: Hey, I wrote a blog on that, by the way. This, yeah. If anybody wants to go to Nppodcast.com I wrote a blog called When Truth Mattered. Mm-hmm. And you and I sort of hearkened back to the old days of, there, there was always this big teaching on absolute truth. Yep. Absolute Sunday, truth. Sunday
1: school. Those of you who grew yeah. up in the evangelical church in the 70s, 80s, you know, like it was, this was what we were being, you know,
0: Truth matters. There is absolute truth. And any relativist who tells you that that truth is is relative is putting your soul in danger. It was a major teaching focus on the family talked about it nonstop. And and I wrote how the irony is now, now sort of the Christian world political thought is led by this idea of alternative facts that, that Kellyanne Conway uh, coined this term called alternative facts. And now, so when we hear the president's own voice on tape saying, yes, coronavirus is really dangerous and it's airborne and it affects children. Uh, and we hear that from February in his own voice Christians and, and sort of conservatives can still say, ah, no, it's it's a hoax. It's a, you know, we can just put that away because uh, the irony is absolute truth really doesn't mean anything at all. We're, we're more in tune to alternative facts that fit our narrative now than we are absolute truth. So you can pick up that blog on, on my website, npepodcast.com.
1: And while you're there, sign up for the Patreon where for $5.99 a month, you can support this fantasticness that is coming to you live right now. Raise a little bit of money every month. We want to put that money into like ads.
0: Fantasticness, I like that. Yeah,
1: like, and and we think, obviously we think this is a really important season um, and certainly in our lives. And this is a generational shift moment and big stuff's going on. And we have this opportunity to choose who will we be as a people and as a society. So we think nonpartisan evangelical is important, an important voice in that. And if you agree, you can sign up on Patreon support us. Those others yeah. go to just get the word out, basically. Yeah. It's a little bit of money. I just,
0: in fact, just had three people sign up in the last day for yeah. our NP Patreon community. Ronald, Kathy, and Deanne. And they, they've they all been commenting. Well, not all, but I've had comments from them on the audiobook series. So we just put up section four. I listen to Joseph that. Comes yeah. to Town. This is the book. Plug it. Um, and so I'm, I'm recording the audiobook in chunks in series and I do commentaries and they're all like, uh, I got a message from, I think, Deanne last night and she's like, when is segment five coming out? I'm dying. You know, I've got to be here the next segment. So if you join our Patreon community, you get the audiobook series, you get a private Facebook group page where I do most of my ranting that I can't really do out in in, in the general public. So
1: there's actually an unfiltered version of this? There thing. is. <laughs> you're like totally unfiltered no matter what. No matter what medium, Paul, is always unfiltered, <laughs> but you're telling me, so, like, I'm not even on that Facebook page because I don't know my password.
0: Yeah, you don't even know what really is coming really out. Anyway, so, God. yeah, join us. So, if you go to nppodcast.com in the upper right corner, there's a Patreon button. Click on that. Get in our Patreon group. And it just, the, the finances help a little bit. You see we're making a little bit of money that helps fund some of this equipment and stuff. But what I really want it to be is a is a place where we get to build intimate community. Because part of what I think is, is coming out of all this shaking is what does... What does a community of faith look like on the other side of this, an inclusive faith where we allow people to to disagree and discuss and explore rather than having this set theology that you have to agree with or you're out, which I believe is not the theology that Jesus brought for us. And so that's part of what we're doing in the Patreon community. In fact, we're doing a live tomorrow afternoon. So if you get in there today. Oh, really? Yeah. We are, eh? I am. Okay. When I say we, I mean me. <laughs>
1: Show us. Perfect. Um
0: It's just a place to get a little more connected. Sorry, I keep interrupting you.
1: Our second segment of the WTH show with Paul and Ashley, um, which is a probably our most popular segment. And I think it's really the only thing we ever talk about. Is that right? And I have I have chosen to call it today the seriousness of this moment, i.e. Hmm. the craziness of the American Evangelical Church. <laughs>
0: We could do that segment no, every week.
1: We do that segment every week. Okay, so no, in all seriousness, um, we joke, but only because uh, because what else are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, it's this is a so. I think I want to just toss to you and and say like tell us what you're tell us what you're seeing on Facebook that would cause you. So my my husband getting his coffee this morning. You know, shuffling around in the kitchen because first thing Paul does when he w- wakes up in the morning is like rolls over, picks up the phone, and sees like looks. I
0: like, know, bad idea. Facebook. Bad idea.
1: And so, um, it's
0: not how I should start the day.
1: Yeah. Well. But
0: except, it's kind of what I, I do. Or, yeah.
1: you know you've you've chosen to create this communication arena where it's it's literally like, you know, the inside voice of the depths and darkness of evangelical church feels free to come forward. So yeah. you you are uniquely qualified. You are uniquely able to receive that, to like catch it, lift it up to God and release it and be like, oh God have mercy on us. Yeah. So that's kind of this morning when you shuffle downstairs to get your coffee, you're just like, oh my gosh, like there, this is really, really dark. So t- explain why you were
0: Yeah, we're we're insane. Um so obviously you know the elephant in the room topic when we talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away is 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 abortion is is the central issue and and it's a word that some of us are afraid to say out loud but it is the it is the central issue of all of this that that christians tend to feel like justified to have really horrible viewpoints of other people based upon uh, a, a theology they've created around God's desire to to pass a law to to criminalize uh, abortion and to cr- criminalize pregnant mothers who would who would seek to terminate a pregnancy. And I and I get that there's big emotions around that. And I'm not actually going to go into a deep discussion. If you want to sort of see my theology around whether God really wants us to pass a law to combat that issue, or if there's another way we can do it without setting aside our moral integrity, uh, there's a there's a great blog on that. And we did a wonderful discussion group a couple of weeks ago on our Tuesday night discussion groups with NPE to show that there are other ways that other solutions God could have that are more kingdom-minded. Was that
1: recorded? Yeah. Okay, so you can find those resources. That's on uh, my
0: NPE YouTube channel, and I'll, I'll put it on the, on the podcast page as well. So always you can look on our youtube channel and our and our podcast npepodcast.com website to find these things um so obviously this opens up a seat on the supreme court and and what i hear from christians all the time is this idea of well i don't i don't really like what president trump does but abortion my my term is but abortion but abortion justifies everything mm-hmm. we can justify anything and so it used to be like Like we had really good hearts for the world, but we just really wanted to pass a law for abortion. But what that pursuit has done, what I see is that it's given us uh, a premise. It's given us a a justification to to take a whole bunch of other issues that are more ideological and make them a part of that whole discussion. And, And so what I see coming out of Christians now is this idea of, of a pursuit of abortion also means I have to be extremely hostile and angry about a whole range of other issues. Black lives matter, um I'm immigration, Second Amendment, all of these things that that we we say there's if if you don't believe in the extreme position on any of these issues, taxes, you're not a Christian. Yeah. That, that you are against God. We've lost all perspective. And, and so it's come to a place this week where, where Rick, Rick Joyner, uh, uh, an evangelical pastor of some note out of North Carolina this week, made the audacious statement, and I believe evil, evil statement, that we should start collecting ourselves. Christians should start collecting ourselves into militias. And you almost didn't want me to mention this no, because I don't, want
1: to fan that flame. I don't want to
0: fan that flame either. But I want to I say to people, sick. he is wrong. Because we remember James and John, a village, a Samaritan village rejected Jesus and James and John, two of Jesus, very best friends on earth. They're like, Jesus, Those people rejecting you is wrong. Let's call fire down from heaven and destroy them. They deserve to be punished for rejecting you, Jesus. And they did reject Jesus. They wouldn't even let him come into their village. You can't reject Jesus more than that. And they said, let's call fire down from heaven and destroy them. And Jesus responds to that. It says he rebuked them. If you really study it, like it was the strongest possible rebuke. He he said, stop it right now. You stop, like my dad would have snapped his fingers and said, stop it. He had the loudest finger snap of any human being. On earth.
1: <laughs>
0: so when he would snap, we would freeze. We knew. And so Jesus snapped his fingers at them. Yeah. And he said, you stop that right now. And some translations, this verse is not in every Bible, but some translation says, he, tur- he turned to them and said, you don't know the spirit you are of. Yeah. And what I believe he was saying there is like, what you just partnered with, James and John, you're tremendous people. You're my disciples. You're going to be my apostles to the world. You need to understand when you're partnering with a spirit that's not from heaven and your desire to punish those bad people. That is because you've partnered with a spirit not from heaven, and you need to come out of that agreement right now because I didn't come to destroy these people. I came to show them that God loves them. And I believe in the evangelical church that we've been partnered with a spirit that we don't know the spirit we're of for so long now, five decades at least, that now we start to believe these are Christian stances to be angry and divisive around issues that are horrifying And they're driving people away from the gospel. And I've just seen it so stark and so dark this week.
1: So um, I often wonder when we gather on Saturday mornings and in general, the people who are collecting around the nonpartisan evangelical, are they? And it's probably, probably I'll answer my question before even saying it. It's probably a little bit of both, but I think some people gather here because They have experience with the evangelical church, like us, they grew up in it and they're like, yeah, God, this doesn't feel right. We're looking for an outlet because this sure doesn't reflect um, the God of the Bible that we love and want to serve. And then other people um, have no experience or exposure to the evangelical church, and they always feel like we have to do some translating, Good. you know, like like, okay, so what, like, if you're asking yourselves, why do evangelicals show up this way and look like this in our society today, there's some translation needed. And so um, I just want to put it out there. If you find yourself in that space, um, you know, you're, you're not wrong to be asking these big questions. And I think that's part of what, what we'd like to try to do. I want to ask you to um, talk about this. You you say, like, you say stuff a lot of, a lot of times that I Again, I don't think people necessarily understand what you're you're dropping. <laughs> it's true. I, I joke with Paul. It's like, you know, if we were living 4,000 years ago, Paul would be like wearing burlap and he'd have like this long ratty beard and his hair would be like a mess, and he'd be like scratching for bugs in the front yard to eat. Like Yeah, still playing
0: of, fantasy football with my right? friends. Yeah.
1: Um so like this sort of old timey like beware, the lemon of the Pharisees. Is that why I imagine Paul in my head? Um Cause what you're bringing really is like a quote voice in the wilderness. Like you're, yeah. you're bringing a, a voice and a message that is counter to the culture of the evangelical church. And yet we are the evangelical church. We pastored in the evangelical church. We're both preachers kids from the evangelical church. You know, my entire life, that's all I've known. And, and standing in the middle of that space, we're like, Hey, something's not right here per Jesus per what he modeled per
0: the Bible. Yeah.
1: And so um, I want to ask you just to unpack a little bit when you constantly point to beware beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which you shared with me, Jesus said like four times.
0: I think four or five different times referenced the, the, the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees or the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. Sadducees were also called the Herodians. That sometimes, because they followed, and they were closely aligned with King Herod, who was a really evil, horrible king at yeah. the time of the of the Jewish community. So
1: let's just let's just give us a little explainer. Okay, what is the leaven of the Pharisees, and why do you constantly point to
0: that? Yeah, because well, the way I interpret it. So if you, if you really look at how Jesus interacted with people. He was very kind, very inclusive, always drawing the the tax collector and the Samaritans, the hated people of culture the to prostitutes. himself. Yeah. Like
1: basically the, the prostitutes and the tax collectors were the most evil. Yeah. And then foreign nations too,
0: you know? Foreigners, yeah. Anybody not not a part of their nationality or their religion. And and the only people that Jesus ever seemed to be pretty cruel towards, or as we were talking about last week, like mocked a little bit, were these people, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the law keepers, the, the people law. people
1: who had power in the, the society,
0: I think. They had some power. You know, there was a Roman government that had taken over and was running the civil government. Uh, the, the Pharisees were, were a part of the religious establishment, and so their belief system was that God wanted to make Israel great again. That was that the, the, the whole of God's purpose Miga. Miga, was Miga. that the, the civil government that was in control at the time be overturned. And that the religious system that the Pharisees were a part of would be installed as the power over the nation. It would be made a, a Jewish theocracy again, and they would run the country. And they believed that was God's purpose. So, so they were very political. They were, they, they, uh, they were also very self-righteous and, and believed they were pure in the law. And anybody that ever made a mistake, anybody that ever sinned was horrible and, and, and put them down. So they were this mix of religion and politics. That I see very similar to what we have in the evangelical church today, we believe that God's goal is to sort of overthrow civil government as we know that's why we love Donald Trump, we want him to be our bull in a China shop to overthrow the system and install Christian law over the nation and if christian law is established in the nation then our country will be great again whatever that means and so i don't know am i making a, i see a direct parallel between the two mm-hmm. and so if jesus was very critical of that telling people again and again beware the leaven of the pharisees then maybe we should beware the leaven of the pharisees
1: so um so in jesus day he was pointing to religious Leaders who were also governmental leaders for the subculture of the Jewish people, who are you know living in an occupied, like basically the Roman government had come and occupied their land.
0: They they did have a a very evil civil government at the time,
1: and so Jesus was saying was warning people, don't go thinking that just overthrowing this current evil, corrupt government is actually God's plan and heaven, the kingdom of God's view. He was constantly pointing to the kingdom of God is inside you. It's, it's, it's your heart connection to the heavenly father. And that's, that's what was so radically powerful and different at his time at at that time. And it's what we still believe to this day. I mean, it's why we say we are Christians because we, we, we pursue Jesus in that way. So um, anyway, so Jesus was calling out, um, Hey people, don't think that overthrowing don't think that partnering with political power is the heart of God for your society
0: or the solution for the time in history.
1: And and, and the solution. And he goes on to say that the leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. Yes. It leads you to hypocrisy. So yep. can you make that connection just a little bit? And then we're going to turn to today and ask ourselves, do we see any hypocrisy happening yeah. today?
0: Yeah, and, and I think one thing that's really important to note is there were a lot of people around called zealots. There was this group of people called the zealots. Uh, ultimately, when Jesus went to the cross, they asked the people, you know, do you want to release Jesus from prison or Barabbas? And Barabbas was the zealot. And the zealots were uh, a group of people who believed in in a they were terrorists. They're like, we're going to blow things up and create chaos until the Romans will just leave. And, and I always think like, if God endorsed that idea, it would, all it would have taken was Jesus once go, hey, Bob the Zealot, bless you, bless your work, keep doing it. But, but never once did Jesus ever hint that he thought the, the idea he of the zealots endorsed. and government overthrow was a good idea. You're my translator, so I, I trust okay. you to help people understand I'm the, I'm the what filter. I'm saying.
1: I'm the filter <laughs> of um, he was just constantly saying, You guys are barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. You're focused on Like, like the temporal things. And I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven, there's a kingdom of God that is that is completely different than what you're pursuing here on earth. And I'm on the way to understand that look what I do. Watch what I watch what I do, pick up what I pick up stand for what I stand for. And that's gonna that's gonna expose you to um, our Heavenly Father and his way of thinking right? So that's, that's basically the bottom line of it. You're barking up the wrong tree, you're pursuing the wrong tools, you're after power. And I'm telling you, there's a power far greater. And it looks like sacrifice. And it looks like service. And it looks like laying your life on the line. Because that's how much God loves you. So like, be willing to show it by laying down everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talked about the kingdom of God. And I think what a, a way to translate what is the kingdom of God, because some hear kingdom of God and think, yes, yeah, we're supposed to take over the government and establish the, the kingdom of kingdom, kingdom yeah. of God. But what, what I think what what Jesus was demonstrating is the kingdom of God is that the creator of the universe loves humanity. And if we understand that love, and we live out of that love to one another, and, and all of us start to understand that, then, then things will change. And so Jesus, I think, was saying, you know, guys, the Roman government's irrelevant. If you start to live the way God lives, yeah. it will naturally it's, be thrown out. It'll naturally be overturned. The
1: inner government, the inner, yeah. case G, the way we inner, inner govern ourselves and walk out our expression of faith and love as God Loves people. If we walk that out, it can't help but change and alter society. Yeah. So you're but the outside government, external government, is merely a reflection of that inner. Government. Yeah,
0: and that and, and none of that means we we ought not be involved in government, but just not our hope be in sort of this overthrow and establishment of of our religious theocracy being because that's not and the solution.
1: Was saying, don't take that bait. That is yeah. it for tat. And you are trying to bring, you know, ma- your version of man's political power, like in the name of Jesus, you're trying to just go toe to toe with what you perceive to be your, you know, your opposing, you know, your opposing force of man. Power.
0: Yeah. And so that's where the hypocrisy comes into it, that that yeah. Jesus that's said said the ultimate outcome. So the actual verse in Luke 12 says beware the leaven of the pharisees which is hypocrisy and and so what he was saying is if your goal is sort of this religious political mix that the pharisees have what the outgrowth of that is going to be hypocrisy today we might say wise political pragmatism you know any any means justifies the ends of a law banning abortion. We can do anything. Yep. We can call anybody any name and it's justified because of our righteous pursuit of banning this
1: act. This is a really significant light bulb moment for yeah. me. Oh, okay. okay. This is like that when you, when you, I, honestly, I had like kind of walked past that verse a million times. and had not picked up on the hypocrisy, the act in the, in the verse, at least in the probably you're reading ESV. Yeah. Um, The word hypocrisy is used. So Jesus is saying, if you try to just use man's tools to to get the power yourself, because you believe if you have the power that you'll be able to enact God's righteous rule of law, because you are all that in a bag of chips and you think you can do it better than the other guy or gal, it's going to lead you to become a hypocrite. And I just think, like in this day and age, I mean, what do we hear? Constant, public opinion polls constantly, my entire lifetime, reveal that people in America don't trust their government leaders because they think they're all hypocrites, right? Because they're engaged in that tit for tat struggle that Jesus said, as believers, don't take that bait. You're going to become hypocrites, right. and that brings us all the way back to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell.
0: Yeah, and and what I- he's doing. And I think I would say, and and what happened to the Pharisees is ultimately their political pragmatism, their political wisdom led them to determine, oh, we're going to have to execute Jesus. So the religious leaders of the country determined we're going to have to kill this man. And their statement was, because if we don't, people are going to believe in him and the Romans will come and they will take our our temple. They'll take our religion and they'll take our country. So the Pharisees thought they were the protectors of their religion and their country. And wouldn't we say the religious right believes the same today? If we don't do what we do, President Trump says, I am the protector of God. We believe that if people really believe this Jesus stuff in the Bible and start living it out, we're going to lose our religion and lose our country. So it's... Hypocrisy. It's the hypocr- the hypocrisy.
1: It's what Jesus laid out the logic train for us. So if this and that, this, therefore that.
0: What does really? this look like? Um, you know, I, I've used the example many times of how Franklin Graham said of Bill Clinton, he can no longer be president. He has forfeited his right to be president because he cheated on his wife. And then when Donald Trump is known to have cheated on his wife and used campaign funds to pay off his mistress to keep her mouth shut we say yeah he's not perfect yeah but we're not electing a pastor you know so that is the leaven of the pharisees stark i mean just right in front of it and so today this is what we see what happened in 2016 barack obama president appoints a Supreme Court nominee.
1: In February 2016, when Justice Scalia passes. Yes.
0: And what does Mitch McConnell, the, the Senate majority leader, the Republican, do?
1: He says, let the people decide.
0: So we will not them. bring what, Merrick Garland.
1: I honestly, that, I, of course, I'm sorry for not knowing the name. Yeah, we should They have. all sound the same to me. Somebody <laughs> can tell
0: us in the comments, but I think it was. Like I
1: judge, lawyer, God Yeah. Of
0: the, um, kind of names. the nominee of President Obama would not be voted on by the Senate. Mitch McConnell would not allow it to happen. And his reasoning was, we're so close to the election, the people ought to be able to decide whether the next Supreme Court justice is going to be a conservative right. or, or a liberal judge. Right. And so he did are, something unprecedented in refusing to bring that to a vote. And go ahead. You were saying.
1: 45 days out, he says yesterday that they will vote on this
0: By the way, on the day of the death, of, he doesn't even give like a 24-hour period. Day of, he immediately says, no, we're going to vote on this nominee. So the president should immediately nominate somebody, and we're going to vote on them, and we're going to rush the vote before the election. And he gives this muddled because, you know, you don't vote on it when the Senate is the other party from the president, which is ludicrous. I mean, ludicrous. You have to have been totally uh, taken over by the leaven of the Pharisees to believe that's a logical reasoning. And so we now will find out how much hypocrisy there is in our partisan system. And and I'm not saying it doesn't happen on both sides, but there is one party that Christians claim is the party of God. Yeah. And so I tend to hold that party to a higher standard. Exactly. If you claim to be God's party, you should have the highest of ethical standards. But the Pharisees were able to set aside their ethics because the end they were fighting for was so just, any means was justified. And we likewise, evangelicals have determined that abortion and taxes and Second Amendment and old glory are so important that God will justify any means, any hypocrisy he'll forgive for us to get there. And this is a stark portrayal of how that has infiltrated um, our thought
1: now. Okay. I feel like, I don't know. I'm feeling like really riled up right now.
0: <laughs> me too. <laughs> I am. I, I mean, it's, it's um, a tough day. It's Saturday an interesting morning, day. We're
1: feeling like we are like overdosing on indignation right now. Um, so a lot of like feelings that are flooding me on this moment. So just to kind of like take a step back and let's, let's do some breadcrumbing. crumbing for okay. this morning. And um. And we talked about um, our time is growing short, time by is the growing way. Short. So, you know, okay. So never mind. Let me not. It's okay. I, I think what I, what I really just wanted to say is like, okay, so let's remember we started off talking about how we as evangelicals were raised with this deep understanding and connection to absolute truth, that God is the author of truth, that um, we ought to never be afraid of the truth, even in the, you know, like, I don't know, sometimes it can be embarrassing or painful or whatever, but I mean, my parents, they taught me, Boy, the truth is your friend. The truth is your friend. The truth is your friend. And I believe that. The spirit
0: of God that. will lead you into all truth. So you will he, know the truth and the truth so will set you free.
1: As God lovers and hopefully God bringers into current situations and problems, like we ought to be the people saying like, hey, whatever is the absolute truth, we stand for that. Even if it means sometimes we lose political arguments or we lose favor or power or whatever, no matter what, we have got to hold on to that absolute truth, right? So um, so then Jesus, so then we kind of detoured into this conversation around why is Paul always talking about the leaven of the Pharisees or, you know, the leaven of the Herodians or whatever. It's because Jesus, when faced with the very same debate in his day, the very same debate we're having today, he said, hey, y'all, if you're trying to follow me, don't take the bait and try to go after societal rule through governmental power. Because it's going to cause you to be hypocrites because you're no different. You're human. You're no different than the people on the other side. You just have different policy prescriptions. That's it. So if you try to just kind of go at this like it's all about this political power, you're going to turn into hypocrites. And now we're landing on this very, very, very significant hypocritical moment. Forget the issue for a second. Forget that it happens to be about this You know, voting on the Supreme Court um, seat put that aside and just look and see. It's exactly as Jesus prescribed. It's exactly what he said would happen if we put our faith in the ability to garner political power and we step away from loving God who is the author of ultimate truth and saying, you know what, we trust him more than we trust our own ability to enact the right laws. It leads us into hypocrisy. And here we are landing in the biggest turd pile of hypocrisy <laughs> that in my recent memory, I can think of that's where we're at. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like we need to like hose each other. Well,
0: I, I, I think what it is, is a really good heart test. And I think if, if a Christian feels like, yeah, I'm glad the Republicans do that. Yeah. I'm glad because we need to get to that God, end. We, get that seat. we need to get then. Then that's a great heart test. That's a great place to check. Wow. Maybe my heart, Maybe I don't know the spirit I'm yeah, of that's a good point. maybe I've partnered with something that's not from heaven. And it's so, cause I think that's what God, that that's what the purpose of this season is for. It's a shaking, it's a transition, it's a generational transition, and I think a cultural transition. And so it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be nasty. And what, what grieves me beyond belief is, is not that people are wrong. It's that I see the anger and the fear and the vitriol coming from Christians across my social media and and i'm just it just makes me sad you you've been taught wrongly you've been taught that this is god's position and it's not the bible is clear that it's not jesus isn't saying i'm in favor of bad government or bad anything i'm not in favor of oppression but he's saying the answer is buy into god's way of seeing these things changed and that is serving that's loving your neighbor and oh by the way your neighbor is that person you hate beyond belief
1: and let me just again say um as a person who really loves elected service and loves um you know i'm 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 not a government basher i do believe that government needs to be stewarded well and in service to the people that it's supposed to serve so um at all like if if Pardon me now, I'm all literally choked up, like <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> even though our air has finally cleared. Thank god, uh, yeah.
1: Um, if you walk away from the commitment to the truth, if you walk away from it and you sacrifice that on the altar to ju- you know, as a in, the end justifies the means, um, like that's everything that is game over. Uh, if you are trusted with governmental power and you walk away from Absolute truth and valuing the truth, it's you're done, it's over. Yeah. So,
0: but then there's a blessing on the other side of it.
1: Okay, let's get to that because I'm feeling.
0: Yeah. So, so, Jesus says, then for those of you that do beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and don't partner with that spirit, there's this amazing blessing. And he says, you guys who aren't partnered with that, You get to see the outcome that all these prophets wanted to see. He said, you remember Jeremiah, Isaiah, Amos, Ezekiel, Hezekiah, and those those had happened way before Jesus was on earth. And he's saying, those guys all long to see this amazing outcome of humanity walking in this idea that we're to love one another. He says, if you don't partner with that leaven of the Pharisees, you get to see it. Your blessing is you can see a different life out there. You can see a different world. You're not going to go into that angry fear and, and anger and divisiveness and vitriol that we see. You're going to get to have a spirit where you're going to see a bubble that and understand that, that violence and anger and divisiveness is never going to get you to the goal, but you'll be able to see, oh, wow, there is another way of life out there that's higher and bigger than this. And I don't have to be caught up and terrified in what's happening around me because there's this bigger thing we're getting to, this this new on the other side.
1: So I really appreciate you bringing us back to hope. And I, and I want to um, also close on, like, the, like my hopeful message in all of this is, like, kind of you're your always taking us back to the Old Testament prophets. And I'm, I kind of want to jump into, like, and, so therefore, current times, how would we reflect on what that message is for our hope I believe, and I'm, I'm confident in this, that God's allowing us to walk through this season. Um, that there is,
0: I think it's the natural culmination of human events. We've just seen it in history over and over it. and over again.
1: And and we should have seen it coming because I think any generational shift, like what we're going through, and we as Xers are in the middle, you know, we're sandwiched in between these major population centers being, you know, the baby boomers and then the... Um, on that. Sorry
0: to interrupt you, but I just have to laugh a little bit because our friend Craig uh, just put a link up. He's he's contributing money to Mitch McConnell's opponent in the Senate election. <laughs> practical... That's putting your money where your mouth is on the, the leaven of the Pharisees. Yeah. Um...
1: But anyway, we should have seen it coming. It's a generational shift. We look at, you know, the 50s and 60s, the last 50 years, the law and order, the, you know, all it's like clear as tar and snow now, like, oh, you know, there's going to be a fight to maintain, you know, this point of view. We've got a very different point of view coming up behind us in the next generation. So yeah, we're having this clash point. Um, the opportunity that and the hope that that I keep holding on to is that this is a major moment for us to choose who we want to be for the next 50 to 100 years. And who are we who, what will we bless the millennials and the Gen Ys and the Gen Zs to be? What what will we stand for? What door will we hold open um, to correct, you know, the things of the past? And you know, hold on to anything that is of God and of value and create a new space for the next 50 years for people to to live this out.
0: Can I can I jump in on that just with a thought that I just had? Um, and I I love Craig, of course, and but but the solution isn't like, okay, let's go to the other side and throw the bastards out. Although I, I do believe this will probably be the end of my my Republican registration. I just can't be a part of, of a party that would do this anymore. But that shouldn't be our hope. And certainly in short term, we can say, yeah, I would love to see people vote some of these guys out who do this. And and I'm not against that. But but the much great what I would much rather see is there be a groundswell of evangelicals saying, no, no, no. I I am I am totally devoted to overturning Roe v. Wade, but I will not partner with hypocrisy to get there. I refuse. And so I would love what I would much rather see is evangelicals rise up and say, Senator McConnell, do not do this. Do not do this. We cannot win it this way because we lose ourselves in the midst of it. I, I posted this meme I was telling you about, um, and then I'll shut up and let you go. To, to, well, to, we got we to wrap. Yeah. Um, this guy, named, he was a pastor. His last name was spelled M-U-S-T-E. Um, And so I don't know how to pronounce that. And I don't know a lot of his story, but I ran across this quote the other day that I just love. So apparently this guy would, would stand out in front of the White House during the Vietnam War with a candle lit and just stand in silent vigil against the Vietnam War. And, and night after night, rain or shine, he was there with that candle. And so one night a reporter came out to talk to him and he said, you know, kind of asking him why he does this. And, and the reporter says to this, this reverend, um, Do you really think you're going to change the policy of the United States by standing out here with a candle? And and this this Reverend Musty says, oh, I'm not standing out here to change the country. I'm standing out here so that the country won't change me. And I just think that's such a powerful statement. Don't let your desire to see abortion outlawed change you. And change who you are. Don't let your desire to fight for the Second Amendment or Ogle or anything else, anything you're fighting for, change your own integrity, your own ethics, and your own morality, or you've lost, even if you win the political battle, you still lost yourself in the midst of it. And that is the leaven of the Pharisees.
1: And I think that is what the nonpartisan evangelical is for us, yeah. is us standing in front of the political right-wing evangelical church with a candlelight vigil yeah. and saying we won't let this political politically motivated church change us. We don't we don't want that to happen. Right? Um so that's a that's a really powerful.
0: I mean we've had thing. to we had to step outside of its leadership a little bit because we just couldn't be a we're part of to where, to where it was going.
1: For you know, people weren't ready to hear this. And yeah. We don't want to hurt, you know, we're not seeking to hurt anyone, of course. Um, we are um, we are seeking to we are standing for um, who we believe Jesus yeah. to be and to have represented when he was on the earth.
0: And my my grievance is ultimately that I think good people, good-hearted people with really good intentions, are being taught that you need to be a way that you that God's not requiring you to be. That's that's human. Preachers and teachers that are telling you that human media, people that are doing it for profit motives. That's not God telling you to be that way. Just
1: as in Jesus day, yeah. you know, the, the religious and governmental leaders um, felt empowered that like, this was what God wanted them to do. This was how they were going to usher in what they thought was the religious view, you know, the religious rule of law. That's what they believed. And Jesus, Jesus lived in a, time and history, like almost exactly like the time we're living in
0: now. Mm. Our, a friend of mine, Gary, who comes to our Tuesday Tavern group on a regular basis, he and his wife, Sherry, they're amazing people. And he says he's written a letter to Senator McConnell. And he says, this is the last, uh, the last line of the letter. And he says, this matter will show you, Senator McConnell, if you are merely a political power or a man of principle, I am looking forward to seeing what kind of man you are. And I think the bigger question there, Gary, of that amazing sentence is, and Republican Party and Christian conservatives, we're looking forward to knowing who you are and what your heart really is, because this is a moment where we get to decide, are we that? Are we partnered with the leaven of the Pharisees? Do we care about what spirit we're partnered with, or are we just in it to win political battles? This is going to tell the tale. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm very concerned about the future of our culture if we don't make the right decision, how, what what calamity lies ahead of us in what is a natural shaking and transition of a culture. We can either do it well or not well. And those are the decisions we're making as Christians to partner with God or to partner with this political spirit. Yep.
1: Yep. Well, um, I think we just
0: need to end it there. Yeah. Um, I, th- I really appreciate the comments coming in coming in from everybody. Well, we
1: and we've got a land plane. Yep. Because we. Yeah, I'm not
0: going to read any more of um, them. Have
1: a birthday party
0: to host. Ooh! Do you want to tell whose birthday it is?
1: Our son. Yeah.
0: Oh. Okay. Oh, I, and yours too. I, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> I actually was thinking of the birthday party we're going oh, to later tonight a birthday, for a friend of ours, yes.
1: Yeah, our friend, Shantae Davies.
0: Ooh, happy birthday.
1: 40, so we're doing a little socially distanced drive-by yeah. hangout party for her tonight. Um, no, but our son, too. And you have a birthday, too. My, uh, we,
0: Sam, Sam, for many of you who don't know, my son and I have the same birthday. He was born on my birthday.
1: In fact, assuming we go live next Saturday as well, it will be on your birthday mm-hmm. and our son's birthday. So yeah. Sam's turning 17. And you will be
0: double five. Are
1: you double? Five? Double nickels. You didn't know. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking you were fifty-four. Nope. That's awesome. Fifty-five. I love that.
0: Double nickels. There you
1: go. <laughs> so we got to wrap. We got to yeah. throw some cheese puffs in a bowl for them. Okay. Party.
0: Well, let's pray real quick. Yep. So God, I I don't know anything other to say than thank you for bringing us to this moment of yeah. decision. Yeah. And let it be stark to our hearts. Let people, uh, let us repent of where we've been going. I just feel real peace around that. Let us repent yeah. and turn, but but also let the purposes of the moment be fulfilled. And let us come out of this with something new on the other side that is, that is better and stronger than where we've gone in this season. And, and so we do pray for your mercy over our households. I pray for your protection uh, of us physically, mentally, and spiritually in our country. Let our election process succeed and work no matter what the outcome and let us accept it together as a people. Let there be integrity in our system and morals and just put down anything that would take us to a place of just partisan, um, absolute damage to our society and let goodness come out of your people in the middle of this to understand that you love even those people who disagree with us on the other side.
1: Yeah, God, we thank you that you are not surprised by this moment. You are not taken aback. None of the gravity of this moment is in any way startling to you. Um, God, we just again say that we trust you. We look to you. We thank you for your powerful love. We thank you for your perfect engineering of this moment in history. We thank you for the opportunity to again, say yes to you. And we just say, whatever you have for us, God, we trust you. We look to you for, for, um, for that. We don't look to ourselves. We don't look to man systems. We look to you and we just want to constantly reposition our hearts to be in alignment with yours. And we just say yes to you and what you have for us. So God, protect us, Um, give us wisdom, give us creativity and joy in these moments. Um, Lord, we just say we consider it a joy to sacrifice for you, the truth of who you are and the truth of how much you love people, even people who don't agree with us, even people who look differently than we do or who espouse different religious views. We thank you that you love them and you give us the opportunity to make a sacrifice to love them like you do. Um, So just bless the people who are listening to this, God. Um, May they know your presence this week in ways that are meaningful to them. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: And anybody who's feeling that upheaval, uh, know that six o'clock Pacific time on Sunday nights, um, in with the nonpartisan evangelical we do a a spiritual gathering we take communion but it's it's welcoming to all you don't you don't have to be even a christian necessarily to join us, but we just share sort of life and a faith moment and so I just encourage you to come i'll post the zoom link on the nonpartisan evangelical facebook page maybe i'll put an event on there but come join us Sunday night. And we, we sort of work some of these things through sometimes. So we'd love to have you join us for that. And the other thing you can do to really help us is share this video and give it your endorsement. Your friends and your network trust you. And so if you give an endorsement and say, I trust Paul and Ashley, and this is a really great message to hear, that means a lot to the people in your network and then Facebook and everybody else starts to share it out. So share this video. And that's a that's a way you can really help us in all of this.
1: Have a great weekend. Bye, guys. Bye.